Scuba diving is something that seems incredibly interesting to me, but I've always just been a little too scared to take the dive. No pun intended. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends, and welcome if you're new. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true scuba diving horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or on reddit at r slash thedarkswamp. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Now, be sure to hit that like button, subscribe if you're new as it helps the swamp grow, and get ready for these allegedly true and downright strange scuba diving horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. I saw something strange while diving. By Anonymous. I'm a 32-year-old female who spends much of my time scuba diving in the Gulf of Mexico. I was on a vacation last year when I came upon something I can't explain. I dive quite a bit to clear up any confusion before we begin. I've been doing it for the better part of the last decade. I'm experienced, and this wasn't my first time in the Gulf. I've seen all manner of sea creatures while diving, but I've never seen whatever I saw during this dive before or since, so the day was very calm. The waters were the perfect temperature all in all. Up to this point, the trip had been very relaxing to me. I got in my scuba gear and prepped myself before diving. While under the water, things were amicable. I remember looking at all manner of sea life and just enjoying the dive. At about 100 feet down, I noticed a dark spot in the water. I'm not talking oil or anything like that. I'm talking about a place that I initially assumed might be a fish or some kind of debris before I got closer and realized it was much larger than any fish I had ever come upon or heard of. I was about 120 feet away when I saw this motionless black mass floating in the water. My first thought was maybe it was some kind of debris. That thought quickly left as I got closer. This thing was the size of a ship and seemed to have been almost round. The thing I saw was long and round almost and had black skin. I'm talking it was almost like a massive shadow, that's how dark it was. I reached out to touch this thing out of curiosity and when I did, these strange holes opened up on its body and what looked like little eyes appeared. I remembered freaking out as much larger eyes seemed to open further up on the body. I don't know if those holes were eyes or what as visibility was not the best, but the big opening was undoubtedly an eye. It was huge. I remember being paralyzed with fear. I could feel my breathing increasing and my heart rate beginning to spike. I felt this panic just as this creature's sheer size and the fact it was a creature became apparent. I felt the drop in the ocean temperature as this thing seemed to gaze at me. I say seemed to because its pupil looked black. This thing soon shed its eye and the holes, eyes, or whatever openings that were all over its body also sealed before it seemed to disappear entirely. I don't think it actually disappeared though. I think it was just some sort of camouflage. I then felt a shift and this sudden feeling like I was slowly being pulled downward. Freaked out, I attempted to swim away, but I felt myself sinking further. There was another shift in a brief moment where I stopped being pulled before I was shot upward until I felt like I hit about 100 feet. I remember looking below me and seeing a dark black figure appear again before fading beyond my sight. The water settled and at this point, I knew whatever I had seen had dove too deep for me to see. I calmed myself down and took the swim back up slowly. The rest of the trip was pretty relaxed, but I couldn't get this thing out of my mind. I did not have a camera on me, and even if I had, I'm not sure if it would have helped. I have no idea what this thing could be or what it was. 
I still remember the terror that gripped me at the time, but I partly feel that I felt that way because I was experiencing something unknown to me while diving. I've tried looking up what this thing might be, and I've asked many people, and I can't find anything similar. So, I'm asking you guys. Have you guys ever seen something like this while diving in the Gulf of Mexico, or anywhere for that matter? Underwater Walking by Anonymous I used to be a scuba instructor in Bali, Indonesia. Groups could book me for a casual lesson or for like a week's worth of diving, where they could earn a provisional diving license. So this one group reserves me. They're a mixed group in their early 20s, couples and friends. Good people. Silver spoons galore, but I'm not one to judge. Our first activity was underwater walking. Now, I have never tried underwater walking since it was relatively new at the time, but I'm keen to try anything. So we pile into a little boat and take the short trip towards the mothership. This is just a naval term for a larger boat that smaller ones like ours can work from. But we go one step further to justify this, having spray painted one of those enormous gray alien heads onto the hull. It looked fantastic and naturally the kids loved it. Underwater walking was similar to the time as snuba diving, which is basically scuba diving plus snorkeling. I usually did this in the Caribbean. Oxygen tanks float up to the surface of the water instead of being on the diver's back, and the other significant difference to the regular diving is that we would have these big old sci-fi looking helmets instead of having a scuba mask. They looked like they were props from that old Boston space show that used to be on TV. I went first, and the procedure was pretty simple. I hung onto the ladder and most of my body was in the water. I placed a small foam rubber ring around my head to cushion the helmet, and finally put it on. The second it was on my body, I felt as if weight was forcing me to the bottom of the ocean. It was kind of scary because I went down fairly fast, which caused the pressure to build up quickly. I made sure to swallow and yawn a bunch to negate the effects of the stress, and I was fine. Also, I could never really get a deep breath of air because as I breathed in, the helmet began to make a vacuum-like vortex and I would have to stop and let the air fill in again. Then, two members of the mixed group of teens followed suit before a scuba diving man came down to be our guide. He handed us a piece of bread in a plastic bag, drawing all the fish to us. That was a lot of fun watching otherwise timid fish practically swarming us. There were metal guiding handrails on the ocean floor which I followed. The two kids followed behind me. It was difficult to walk because the current was surprisingly strong and the helmets were quite heavy. We found it all incredibly enjoyable, though. I had been diving for years and even to me it was a novelty. As I breathed, there was a constant loud whirring sound as the water put pressure on the oxygen tube. It was annoying but it meant I was getting air, which was good. That's why it was so scary when the sound suddenly stopped. I was confused but it quickly came back after about two or three seconds, and I could breathe again. It happened one more time, and it came back on quickly. I rationalized it by assuming that my tank had run empty and they were switching it to a different one. No big deal. I didn't understand how that would run out so quickly, but I didn't think too hard about it. It soon came back on, and I could breathe, so no big deal. After about ten minutes or so, I'm guessing I have no idea how long we were actually down there, the guide points at me and indicates that he wants me to climb over the railing. I was baffled, but I did it after he clarified that that was what he wanted. It was hard to see any peripherals out of the mask, so it was easy to get lost. I looked behind me to ensure the teenager saw where I went and didn't get lost. 
We made eye contact, so I assumed we were all good and then turned back to follow the guy. He had me walking down a tiny path between two corals, so I went very slowly to ensure I didn't cut my legs up on them or destroy them. It was challenging due to the strong underwater current, my unwieldy helmet, and an occasional tug by the air tube as I pulled it taut. As I reached the guide, my air stopped again. As I figured it was no big deal like the previous two times it continued, I followed him a bit, but it still didn't come back on. It was five seconds without oxygen, then ten. I started to get confused. Was this some kind of joke? If so, it wasn't funny at all. Fifteen seconds, and I thought to myself, don't panic, they always tell you not to panic, and then I panicked. I start taking quicker and quicker breaths, but I forced myself to stop that. Thanks to previous training, I knew that was the worst thing I could do. I spun around to the guide and started pounding my fist on my chest. That was the sign for I can't breathe. He seemed to notice and started walking away. Could only hope that he was walking to the boat. I thought I should just try to shrug off the helmet and swim to the surface. I didn't know if I had enough air to make it. I didn't know if the boat was above me. I didn't want to hit my head. I didn't know if I could shrug it off and I didn't want to get the bends. So I figured it wouldn't be a good idea. 30 seconds. I started to notice that I was getting less and less oxygen with each breath. Water was beginning to seep into my helmet. I had to look up to breathe with what little air I had. I grabbed the guide's arm so I wouldn't lose him and he would understand the gravity of the situation. I gave him quite the death grip. 40 seconds without oxygen now. My lungs burned for the air that I needed desperately. I saw the ladder of the boat. I knew all I had to do was make it there and I would be okay. I must have gotten some adrenaline rush with the renewed hope because I almost forgot about the lack of air. I fumbled for the ladder for a few seconds. It was hard to tell the distances through the helmet because it had become a bit of a magnifying aspect. Before I grabbed it and pulled myself up, as I broke the surface air came rushing into my helmet and I took a nice deep breath. Breathing had never felt better. It was my life's scariest experience and I would not recommend underwater walking. Met a creeper while diving by the Better Rave. This happened last year between Christmas and New Year's Eve. I'm from the French Caribbean, so it's not unusual to scuba dive during the Christmas holidays. My family and I, I'm a 25 year old female, booked a few dives. They're all excellent scuba divers and better than I am. They passed a few scuba diving levels that allowed them to participate in way more technical dives than I'm allowed to do. I also enjoy scuba diving, and I can do almost every casual dip, but I don't feel safe diving without an instructor, not quite yet. If anyone isn't familiar with scuba diving, here's a quick explanation. You can dive safely until a certain depth before the pressure becomes too dangerous. If you dip below that point, roughly 20 meters or 65 feet, you must do decompression stops before your ascent. It means you must stop while going back to the surface periodically for a specific amount of time to let your body adapt to the pressure. If you rise up too quickly, you may catch decompression sickness, or also called the bends, which can lead to death in a worst case scenario. So we decided I could manage a little private lesson with an instructor before more exciting dives with my family. So on the first day, my family was enjoying a dip on a technical spot that I wasn't feeling up to while I was alone with my instructor and retrieving my old scuba diving reflexes. Everything went okay. We were on a beautiful coral reef. Many beginners on the boat and I was the most experienced for once. 
So finally my instructor decided that he could manage me with another student, who was indeed a beginner. After a small briefing, with every safety rule and hand sign gone over, the only way to communicate underwater is with hand signs by the way, we began our descent. I quickly retrieved all my old reflexes and enjoyed myself going back and forth between the instructor and the beginner diver for at least 20 minutes. Everything was perfect except for a windy day and a heavy swell. It's less of a problem underwater than it is for a surface swimmer. The only thing that it requires more physical effort is to swim, so my air bottle was emptying a little quicker than usual, which is normal. I told my instructor I was running thin on air, and he nodded. At this point, it was far from being critical. At this moment, I saw a young man swimming toward me. It wasn't the instructor nor its student. I'd never seen him before, but he was in full scuba diving gear, and we were the only dive boat at the spot. So I assumed he was with us, and I just ignored him on the ship. He was swimming towards me at a fast pace and told me he was out of air. When an air failure happens in scuba diving, there is a rigorous procedure. You have to help the person, no questions asked, because every second is vital. If you faint underwater, you basically just drown. On your gear, you have two breathing devices, a regulator and an octopus. I'm not sure about the English word for it. The primary device and a spare device. So I handed the guy my light breathing device, which meant we would both be breathing on my gear, consuming twice as much air as I was diving alone. I waited until the guy seemed to calm and tried to hand sign him to my instructor. He nodded a no and signed me to start our ascent. I understood this is the procedure. I was a little low on air and above the decompression stop level, so the right thing to do was to go up to the surface without having an air failure, but I would have to tell my instructor first. The guy was very reluctant and it was strange because it would have taken us 30 seconds to say to the instructor that we had an issue, and he would have started an ascent with us. During this time I was panicking as seeing my air level was going down and I saw that our instructor was staring at us quizzically and swimming toward us. At this moment, the guy let go of my spare air device and started swimming away, breathing again in his breathing device. I was at a loss at this point, and started my ascent with my instructor. Once at the surface, I felt dizzy and nauseous because of the tide, so my bizarre encounter wasn't the first thing I debriefed. After I calmed down and the boat drove towards us and got us on the beach without the strange guy, I asked my instructor about what had happened. Oh, I don't know, maybe a guy who lost his group and needed some time to calm down. I replied, Okay, but why did he tell me that he was out of air then? My instructor told me that I probably misunderstood his hand signing and he probably wasn't telling me that he was having an air failure because he left breathing in his device. I'm sure I saw him do the air failure sign, but I'm not going to argue it. The next day, I joined my family during my dive and the instructor was different. It was a girl this time. Her name was Charlie. I've had time to think about the guy and I was worried about him. So I told them everything that happened, and Charlie told me that they actually know that guy. They said, that's, that's Marvin. Yeah, don't worry about him, he's preparing himself to become a scuba diving instructor. Every time he has a day off on the restaurant he's working in, he asks us to drive him to the coral reef in the morning and pick him up in the afternoon. I actually just ate at his restaurant for lunch. Don't worry. I felt relieved and told myself it was just Marvin's comprehension issue. The rest of the week went without incident. I was doing more and more technical dives and everything went smoothly. Charlie was an excellent instructor. Never saw Marvin again. That being said, until the last dive. It was New Year's Eve. We planned the best dive for that day. It was on a shipwreck and I felt trained enough to try it without any instructor, just my family and I. It was Charlie's day off anyway. 
It was a pretty deep dive for a beginner, around 30 meters, which is about 98 feet. My first day male instructor was there and told us that he would be exploring the shipwreck too, so we would cross with him and get help from him if we needed it. It was a very comforting thing to know, and my family felt comforted when I told them. So we began our descent and started swimming around the shipwreck. We crossed our instructor twice, but I signed him that everything was okay every time. It was at that moment that I saw Marvin swimming towards me. At this moment, I was about 5 to 10 meters above my point, still staying under my decompression stop level. I was a little surprised and even more surprised when he signed me again that he was out of air. I was mistrustful, but if there were any chance that it could be true, I, I had to help him. So I handed him my spare breather. This time I had much air left so it wasn't really a problem. He took it. He started breathing in it and shook my arm. I reached to see his air level instrument, but he prevented me from visiting them. Then he signed me to start the ascent with him. I immediately signed a no. I wasn't at my deepest when he reached me, but I have been deeper during this time and I have quite a bit of decompression to do. My father saw us but quickly looked away, probably not understanding what was going on. I tapped at my diving computer, a device that calculates when and how long to decompress, to signify to him that I couldn't go up yet. He shrugged, smiled, and started swimming up, still holding me. I was paralyzed for a few seconds, and what helped me react was that my diving computer was telling me to stop and decompress now. I then understood that I was in danger, severe danger, that if I let him do what he wanted, I would die from the bends. I then started screaming only to remember that no noise can be heard underwater. I started wriggling frantically as I saw my father and sisters way below me, my diving computer alerting me more and more intensely. At that moment, my father saw us and he reacted. He swam very quickly towards us and I managed to hit the guy as my dad gripped my ankle and suddenly dragged me deeper. The guy then promptly swam away. My dad dragged me deeper again and then waited for a very long decompression stop to ensure that I would be okay then started heading towards the surface very slowly and cautiously. On the surface, I started crying frantically and went back to the boat. My father told me that he thought Marvin was my old instructor, which was why he wasn't surprised at first. I then told my senior instructor, who took it more seriously this time and told me to show him Marvin when he would go up to the surface. The thing is, he never showed up. The next day, on the new year, we went to the scuba diving club one last time because my little sisters had a diploma to collect. We saw Charlie. Still shocked, I told her what happened with Marvin and she stiffed up. She said Marvin was at the restaurant yesterday for New Year's Eve and didn't go scuba diving, which means that guy was not Marvin. And on this day, I still don't know who he is, what he wanted, why he tried to kill me, and why he was so fascinated with choosing me. I hope you enjoyed these allegedly true scuba diving horror stories. If you enjoyed them, please be sure to knock out that like button so it never wakes up again. Subscribe if you're new as it helps the channel grow. And be sure to leave a comment down below to let me know what story was your favorite tonight. If you're on the go and don't have YouTube Premium but still want to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, Google Podcast, and pretty much anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. 
If you're listening to the show on Apple Podcast or Spotify, please give this a five-star rating on those platforms as it helps the show grow a ton, and I'd very much appreciate it. If you have a scary experience to share in the show, no matter what it is, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or on Reddit via r slash thedarkswamp. I'd love to see your story and potentially share it with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours to help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you made it all the way to the end, I'd love to see you comment the code word, Leaping Saul. I'd love to see how many of you guys listen to the very end, and it's always fun to confuse people in the comments. Don't forget to join me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all the other good social medias, and I'll see you all soon with another creepy episode.